0: Hello and welcome to the BS Games Podcast. I am your host today, Quinn. Unfortunately, I am on my own. I am riding solo as Chase is in Peru, enjoying his time off with his beautiful and lovely wife. But the news continues onward. Things keep marching even though Chase is not here. Today is the 8th of July and what that means is it's time for me to go over the news of last week. We'll be going over the news since July 1st, all the way up until now, give you the deets on what's happening in the gaming industry, as well as the games that came out. And then after that, after I just cover the news, I will then give my opinions on some of the topics after a little break. And it might be a little bit shorter this week just because I am writing solo. Some interesting upcoming stories for this week are that the UK Minister for Digital and Creative Industries spoke in defense of loot boxes, France makes a post-Brexit grab for a lot of UK game developers, and there are no plans to integrate women's soccer to pro-evolution soccer or to FIFA. So with that, let's get right into it. Up first, I'm going to be talking about the game releases of this last week, as well as maybe some bigger DLC or content updates. With that, we'll start with Apex Legends, gets its Season 2 update. Final Fantasy XIV Online gets its Shadowbringer DLC, which Chase will probably talk about at some point, because I know he's been playing that. And Just Cause 4 gets its Los Dominos DLC. Red Faction Guerrilla Remastered Edition comes out on Switch. What Remains of Edith Finch also comes out on Switch. Wonderblade is out on PC. They Are Billions is now out on Xbox. And then Sea of Solitude comes out for everything but Switch. This is actually a game I've been looking forward to, but it's not been getting that many good reviews, unfortunately. Stranger Things 3, the game, comes out on everything as well as on Netflix the same day. Attack on Titan 2, Final Battle, also comes out on everything. And that was your releases for the last week. Continuing on with some more news-oriented topics, an American marketing research company called the NPD Group found the most popular games for each console. They made their list based on units sold, but there also might be some discrepancy as some games don't actually include their digital downloads. These are the top three games per console. For the Nintendo Switch, they found Mario Kart 8 was the top seller, followed by Super Smash Bros. Unlimited, and The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild coming in at third. For the PlayStation 4, we have Grand Theft Auto 5 as the top seller, Red Dead Redemption 2 as number two, and Call of Duty World at War 2 for the third spot. For the Xbox One, Grand Theft Auto 5 is also on top. Call of Duty World at War 2 also shows up again at the number two spot, and Call of Duty Black Ops 3 is the third spot. Now, it is interesting to note, if you look at the full list of the Nintendo games, the PS4 games, and the Xbox One games, you'll see that the list for Nintendo's bestsellers are all exclusive games, and for the Xbox bestsellers, Not one game is exclusive, so that is for the top 10 selling games on each console. All 10 for Nintendo Switch are exclusive, and all 10 for Xbox One are non-exclusive games. Moving on to the next little bit of news, The Witcher is coming. Netflix officially working on The Witcher series, which follows Geralt of Riviera, who was the main character in The Witcher video games. The series on Netflix, however, will stick closer to the source material from the books. The Witcher is also coming to San Diego Comic-Con, which starts on July 18th, but there's no indication yet as to who will be sitting on the panel. Maybe we'll get some actors and actresses who are playing the main characters, but there is no guarantees as of yet. Moving on to a bigger story this week, there are no plans to integrate women's soccer into Pro Evolution Soccer or FIFA for that matter. Konami officially said that for the 2020 version of Pro Evolution Soccer, they have no plans to add women's teams. They actually did have women's teams back in 2016, but it looks like for the future they're not really looking into it. FIFA also holds the rights to the Women's World Cup and Men's World Cup, so it might explain why Pro Evolution Soccer doesn't really want to go into that area when they don't have the largest tournament under their name, but it doesn't explain why FIFA isn't getting into that realm. If you've been living under a rock recently, you might not know that women's soccer is actually gaining popularity like crazy. In the UK, 50.8% of the population watch concurrently the US vs. UK Women's World Cup soccer match, or around 11.7 million people in the UK. That's pretty impressive. Moving on to our next story, France makes a post-Brexit grab for UK game developers. In wake of Brexit, the French government is incentivizing game developers from the UK to relocate. In a 2017 survey, about 40% of UK-based game companies were considering relocation. And roughly 20% of the UK's game industry workforce is actually from the EU and not actually from the UK. The French government is really trying to capture those that are on the fence, as the game industry is the second largest cultural industry in France. The incentives the French government are offering are no joke. There's a potential of 6 million euros in tax breaks for each company and a 2 million euro loan available for studios. It's pretty crazy. Finally, with our last story, we have the UK Minister for Digital and Creative Industries speaking up in defense of loot boxes. Margot James, the Minister for Digital and Creative Industries for the UK, spoke before the Commons Committee in somewhat of a defense for loot boxes. She said that I would contest the assumption that loot boxes are gambling. I don't think the evidence I've read from your committee's hearings would support that assumption either. Loot boxes are a means of people's purchasing items, skins, to enhance their game experience, not through an expectation of an additional financial reward. And also, more importantly, they can't be traded offline for money. So I think there are big differences, and I don't really think it is true to say that loot boxes are gambling. James then goes on to talk about how we need to figure out what loot boxes are before we start making laws and regulations around them. She says that there are not many studies, that's not to say we shouldn't be initiating more research, but you need the evidence as a justification for taking action, particularly if you're talking about regulation. So that about does it for the news of last week. I'm going to go get a glass of water, as I've been talking nonstop, and we'll come back and I'll talk about some of these topics in a more discussion-oriented fashion. See you guys in a little bit. Everyone, I am back and I had a little sip of water. My throat was getting dry, but no longer. I am back and I'm ready to talk about some news in a more discussion-oriented fashion. There will be a little bit of bullshit, a little bit of my own opinion, but you can take it. I trust you. I believe in you. We got this. Now, because Chase isn't here, I'm not going to go too in-depth. I don't want to waste your time when there isn't really a discussion between me and someone else at the moment. So I'm just going to give you a few thoughts on some of these stories and what they might mean for the bigger picture of gaming and what they might mean for the industry as a whole. The two topics I'm going to talk about a little bit more in-depth today are France trying to get UK developers to move to France and then the UK Minister for Digital and Creative Industries talking about loot boxes. So starting with the French making a cheeky, cheeky announcement for the UK developer companies, Uh, it's really cool. I think it's really cool. What the prime minister talked about was he was essentially saying that, or the prime minister of France, uh, mind you, was saying that the UK is kind of slipping, you know, with Brexit and they're no longer, or at least what France hopes to become is the top Industry or own the top games industry in the EU slash in the in Europe period because I guess uh, England won't be in EU anymore so just they're trying to be the main force of game development within that continent or within uh, potentially the world now the UK at the moment is the leader in game development uh, in Europe at the moment. And with Brexit, it seems like that's no longer going to be the case. Whether developers move to France or whether they move somewhere else, it seems like if 40% of game companies were considering relocation, that's a big number. That's a big... If you think about it in terms of euros, I guess, I was going to say dollar signs, but if you think of it in terms of euros, 40% of an industry leaving is a big problem, a really, really big problem. And now I know 40% of UK uh, game developers aren't going to just leave, but you have to also think that 20% of that workforce, 20% of that dollar amount slash euro amount is from the EU, isn't based or isn't from the UK. So you're going to have all these EU workers, twenty per, r- around 20% of that industry, leaving... Or working for companies in France or more, yeah, maybe binding themselves to companies that are relocating. And so you're going to have a lot of talented people, you're going to have a lot of uh, wealth, essentially, a lot of value in terms of company and people leaving that country, leaving the UK and going elsewhere. And I think France is really smart, really, really smart in saying, don't just go anywhere come here. And for those of you on the fence, here's 8 million euro to convince you to come over here. Like that's pretty crazy. I know it's it's not always going to be 8 million euro for every single developer, but it's pretty much they said 30% of expenses, 30% of like setting up your company over here will just be negated. All the taxes, 30% of those taxes gone up to 6 million euro that's pretty insane. That is pretty insane. And on top of that, they're like, hey, uh, if you need a 2 million euro loan, here's a 2 million euro loan. And from what I was reading, it doesn't, that you don't have to start paying it back until your company starts growing. So they're like, here, take this money, build your company here, make sure it works. Once it starts working, then you can pay us back. Because right now we understand that the games industry is huge and can make a ton of money. So, we're going to support and basically poach all of the UK companies that are willing to relocate, give them a lot of money, set them up really well so that our games industry in France can become huge, can become the biggest in Europe, and potentially really compete with the US and Japan. I I don't know. We'll see. But that's, that's really cool. That's really smart. And what the French... Um, Prime Minister Talked About was also really smart. In the article I was reading, he was pretty mo- pretty much the one that mentioned that uh, the games industry is really important, and the games industry is a huge financial force for the country, and it's nothing to be joked about, and the incentives they're offering are justified, and they know it's a good good thing to put forward for those developers that really want to relocate or are on the fence because it pretty much is a win-win for everybody. The developers get to move somewhere where they can save a ton of money and have more freedom away from the UK and Brexit. And France makes pretty much their games industry even larger. So it's a win-win. I think it's awesome. I think it's a great idea. And we'll see what happens. Maybe the UK says, well, maybe they'll come back with like a counter to keep companies in the UK. But if they don't, who knows what's going to happen. Now, I want to talk about a little bit, speaking of the UK, I guess, I want to talk about what Margot James, the Minister for Digital and Creative Industries, talked about um, in defense of loot boxes. And I think it was actually really smart. And even though a lot of articles are trying to trying to be a little bit clickbaity, saying that um, Margot James is like... Supports EA and like really wants to is basically basically okay. So what some articles are saying is that she's, you know, maybe she's being paid for by gambling companies, etc., to to talk lightly about these topics. But what I think she was actually saying, in in terms of what I could read, I, I didn't actually watch the entire conversation on the Commons Committee, but I did uh, get the the highlights pretty much, and what it sounded like was. She was more concerned that the government, or at least the the UK government, doesn't jump ahead of itself and punish companies that aren't doing or aren't taking part in malicious practices. And she was very clear that there needs to be more research into what loot boxes actually are how are they are affecting people, how are they affecting people psychologically, people with addictions, stuff like that. And it sounds like she just really wants to make sure that when you start putting laws in place for loot boxes or games in general, that you really know what you're talking about. And it was kind of interesting because one guy stood up from the uh, Commons Committee, stood up and said that, that the UK needs to catch up and start putting laws in place, is essentially what he's saying. I'm kind of paraphrasing for a lot of this. This is the BS section, so sorry, but that's how it's going to be. He pretty much said that the UK needs to catch up, or the world needs to catch up, and really start understanding that malicious practices are happening, whether we like it or not, and so we need to start regulating things now, and maybe we can you know, fix things later. Um, but I actually disagree with that. I, I agree with m- what Margot was saying: was that if we if you jump the gun, right? If you just say loot boxes are gambling, that takes that pretty much uh, describes a new thing and compares it to an old thing when those are very different. And so instead of catching up, you're kind of regressing in a way. and this wasn't actually talked about. this is just me thinking about it. Um, and that's that's how I'm thinking about it, is that if you're defining new technologies, new forms of entertainment and tying them down to old terms, you're pretty much regressing and damaging the the complexity and the new nature of those new things. And I like how Margo was saying that we need to do more research. It's about studying this, seeing what these are. Are they gambling? Is there different versions of loot boxes? Are some more related to gambling than others? I think she brought up a good point that really isn't brought up in governments when they talk about this stuff, is that there are loot boxes out there that are solely for cosmetic things and don't offer an expectation of financial reward. That in itself is not gambling. It might be a little bit malicious towards like younger kids because it's just like you can spend infinite money on digital things, but as a kid you don't understand the concept of money really. So that in itself could be malicious, but it's not really gambling. And to say it is gambling is technically incorrect. So I really like what Marga was saying. I think it made a lot of sense. And in a weird way, I like kind of resonated with her, even though I, did. some things she said weren't really exa- exactly correct, right? When she did say loot boxes are a means for people of purchasing items, skins, et cetera, to enhance gaming experiences, there is no expectation of an additional financial reward, which is correct in some cases and incorrect in others. For example, you have CSGO, which is now a free-to-play game, that is tied to the Steam marketplace. Now, yes, there is no direct, you cannot transfer a skin into U.S. currency or euros, etc. directly. There is no direct link between these digital items and monetary value, but you can trade your digital currency for Steam cash. And then with Steam Cash, or with those items even, you don't even have to go through Steam Cash, you can then trade on third-party websites, etc., for actual currency. And in that way, I think a lot of the Steam or Valve-oriented loot boxes are more like gambling. There were plenty of times where people would try to open crates not for the cosmetics inside, or potentially for the cosmetics inside, but not for the, the experience of wearing a cosmetic, but more for getting a cosmetic that costs real-world dollars, real-world currency, and the, the idea that if they rolled the dice, they would spend $2.50 and get something worth $2,000. And I've experienced this in friend groups and stuff. I've experienced people who um, were very prominent in the trading communities and would spend large amounts of money rolling the dice, essentially, and opening loot boxes, quote unquote, to get rare items and then hopefully sell them. That's happened. Um... And in a weird way, like there there are even other categories beyond that. And I know this doesn't really apply anymore because I don't really see this that often. But in TF 2 there was, there's MVM, there's the MVM mode, which is essentially a mode that you have to pay for. It's a dollar every session. And at the end of a full tour, which would be roughly $4, you would get an item. And this item was of random value, not random, but of a different, different values. And what is that? Now, is that a weird form of active loot boxes or is this a different form of gambling? What is it? So that's like a whole nother question. I think more research is probably the way to go. And I think it's going to be really hard to even research because there's so many different versions of what a loot box or what a paid Um, random experience or random item is and how that is portrayed. Like with MVM, you're not clicking a button and watching something roll the dice. You're actively participating. Arguably, you're paying a dollar for the enjoyment of that hour of gaming. And then at the end, you're given an additional random reward. So it's really interesting what's actually happening in this space and I, I hope to have a conversation with Chase about it later when he gets back from Peru. Screw that guy, am I right? Actually, just side note, he was saying that he found cockroaches in his sugar. He, there's no AC and there's a bunch of stray dogs. So maybe he's not enjoying himself. We'll find out when he gets back. Anyways, that's going to do it for this week of gaming news. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. You don't understand how much I appreciate it. If you enjoyed this section, this section of news or the discussion section or the the beginning section, whatever, if you enjoyed this podcast, how about, would you please leave a review? We're a very small podcast. We just started. Each review really helps. If you felt we we were a three, let us know. Tell us what we can improve on. If you thought we were a five and doing great, let us know as well. I really appreciate you guys listening. If you want to tweet us and mention us or talk about us or talk about the discussions we've been talking about or talk about a new piece of news I didn't get to, please tweet us at BS Games Podcast on Twitter. I'll definitely respond. I'll definitely make note of it. I'll, I'll reach out to you. It'll be good. We'll make a little community here, and that's all we need. Much love. Represent. I don't know any other reggae terms. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys later. Have a good one.